0: Good day, everyone. I'm your host, March Twisdale, and you are listening to Prose, Poetry, and Purpose here on Our Island's Own, Voice of Vashon, 101.9 FM, KVSH. Today, I am really looking forward to bringing some quality information to you and yours. My interview guest today is James Lyons Wyler. I'll let him introduce himself in a minute, but we are um, squeezing this interview in very quickly, Monday evening here. I will edit it and put it out tomorrow. So if you're listening right now on the radio, it's Tuesday at one o'clock. And we are talking about the important issues related to COVID-19. I'm going to really quickly list off a couple of things you can know are happening locally. Uh, Currently, Jay Inslee, the governor, has declared a state of emergency. So has King County. And King County Executive Dow Constantine has activated a King County Emergency Operations Center, EOC. It will collaborate federal, state, and local government activities. King County Metro has established an incident management team. They're developing policy recommendations and strategies. King County's Department of Community and Human Services and Public Health is working with the county's facilities management division, they are exploring options for people in this city who are homeless, which is roughly 11,000 people, to be able to rest and recover away from others in shelter locations. One thing that is happening under Dow Constantine's leadership is that a motel is actually being purchased this week for people who have been confirmed to have COVID 19. And Mayor Jenny Durkin, the mayor of the city of Seattle, says that although there are no confirmed cases in the city of Seattle, We have been preparing as a city since January. Individuals, families, and businesses should make plans and prepare. The number one thing people can do right now is to heed the public health advice, to keep from getting sick, stay home if you are sick. And I will say that the Metro system is saying if you have a cold of any sort, don't get on the bus. Okay, that gives you a sense of the seriousness, perhaps, that we're currently seeing at this moment. And now, hello, how are you today?
1: I'm well, March. How are you today?
0: I'm thrilled to be talking with you because it's always um, really reassuring to be able to chat with you directly, given your background. Go for it.
1: Absolutely. So I'm a biomedical research scientist. I'm the CEO and uh, director of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we conduct research in the public interest without profit motive. We don't accept any funding from the government. We don't accept any funding from corporations. Our focus is to bring forward information uh, through research, through biomedical research, that is designed to reduce human pain and suffering. And so naturally when this uh, coronavirus outbreak started to take off in China, I started tracking it daily back in January.
0: What I really love about spending time with you, James, is that it's just so brilliant to be reminded how little I know. And that may sound strange to the folks that are listening out there, but it's reassuring to know that there are people like you out there who really get stuff that I have zero clue about. So you have some ideas of what you want to talk about today yourself, and I, I'm thrilled to get there, but I am curious when this first started taking off, what might have been your thinking that would have been um, unique, different, or uh, more informed than um, the average person who was just sort of reading media headlines?
1: Like any other average American who has access to the Internet, I was impressed by people falling down in the streets. I was impressed by the Chinese response, faltering, and then them ramping up isolation techniques. But mostly I was focused on the case fatality rate and the serious illness rate. The nature of this seemed to take off out of nowhere. The very first case was December 1st. That was the first diagnosis that that I'm aware of in China and the numbers that they were talking about just a month later were unimaginable, given the other outbreaks.
0: Give us a sense of those numbers. Because, like, I first became aware because that Chinese doctor had um, gotten in a little bit of trouble because he was actually warning fellow um, workers in the medical field to start being careful because there was a reason to be concerned. And I think that was late December. So um, tell us a little bit more about what the numbers were, and what we might have expected if it would have been, quote, normal, and what numbers we saw that made it appear not typical.
1: In reference to, you know, influenza, let's say, uh, in one month SARS-CoV-2 caught up with the annual expected number of flu cases, you know, 80,000 reported cases in China. In terms of the case fatality rate, it outstripped influenza in one month. And and so looking at the relative risks of serious illness and so on, the absolute number of cases initially didn't seem to be an issue. And so I was much more impressed with the fact that it seemed to spread very rapidly, uh, and yet it didn't seem to have a very high reproductive number. A basic reproductive number for a pathogen uh, that infects humans or, or animals, for that matter, is the number of other individuals an infected person can be expected to infect. So measles is about eight, influenza you know 1.2. This had initially the estimates were like well, 2.6. So it was a bit puzzling to me with only a 2.6. Why it seemed to um, taking off so quickly in terms of the societal impact? Why the Chinese government was so concerned? But my initial right. focus was the origin, and I looked at the genetic sequences and the genomic sequences of the virus. That was isolated from a person who ostensibly, uh, allegedly caught it at the Wuhan seafood market. Right. It it became very quickly obvious to me that uh, that wasn't the only possible explanation of the origin. So I enumerated four different hypotheses of origin that weren't necessarily mutually exclusive. So let me
0: jump in really quick. So you're saying that measles has a high rate of transmission, meaning a sick person spreads it to a lot of people, typically eight. Influenza, that's at 1.2 number, so it seems to not have a high spread rate compared to measles. And then COVID-19 was only a little bit above that, so you were not sure why China as a nation was responding with such a robust reaction to something that you would assume would not be viewed particularly worrisome, considering that it was close to the spread rate of influenza. Is that what you said?
1: It is. And okay. the, the, the virus, the virus on terminology, the virus is called SARS-CoV-2, and the disease is called COVID-19. Okay,
0: so, oh, yeah, let me write that down really quick. I want to um, refer to that. So you said SARS-CoV-2. C-O-V-2. C-O-V-2. Why is there that plus COVID-19? Why two names? The
1: international community decided to call the virus SARS-CoV-2. It is the sister virus to SARS. It's related to SARS. So and SARS it,
0: was the one a few years ago that had actually a really high what mortality rate?
1: Yeah, it had a 10 percent mortality rate, but it didn't spread nearly as fast. That's the other thing that I was impressed by. The, there was something wrong with the with the connection between why this virus seemed to grab everyone's attention, but also, you know, the basic reproductive numbers seemed to be wrong. The, and, and it turns out now that our estimates are that it's more like a 4.7, 3.8 to 4.7 basic reproductive number. But that reproductive number has to be interpreted in context. And that's why I'm really excited to talk with people in your state, because you have cases there now, and we can actually control the, the reproductive number by our behavior. I'm going to get into that a in little bit. Yes. But the, the COVID-19 disease, you know, it has a different kind of constellation of symptoms, some of them were similar but different. It had a dry cough, uh, you know, a fever, short, shortness of breath, um, but it had this very strange strange characteristic that sixteen percent, fourteen percent. Now we estimated at twenty percent of patients require hospitalization.
0: Really, at this point? Yes. And okay, I wasn't aware six, of that. And, and that's the problem,
1: with a basic reproductive rate of four point seven. At a hospitalization rate that high, and 6% of people need intensive care, the medical community is going to be overwhelmed unless our government gets really proactive in terms of teaching people how to socially distance or socially isolate at this time, starting now. The things that you reviewed earlier mm-hmm. were important, but the way that the government's you know, responding is saying, and, and don't go on mass transit if you have symptoms. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter if you have symptoms. This virus, it turns out, has an asymptomatic period anywhere from 5 to 30 days where people are transmitting the virus.
0: Well, and so let's talk a little bit about that because um, I'm assuming everyone has had the opportunity to know this but may not be tracking it. So you get exposed and then you have an incubation period. And that is essentially prior to you noticing symptoms yourself, but during the incubation period, you can begin to share the virus forward without knowing you're sick. Is that an accurate way to frame it?
1: Yes, that's accurate. So you have an active uh, infection, but you don't have any symptoms. Mm -hmm. And the transmission methods, uh, another difference with this virus compared to SARS, let's say, this could be spread through respiratory droplets. Like SARS, but it also appears to stay on materials that we touch, our cell phone keypads in the grocery store menus, you know, um, door handles, light switches, mm-hmm. and so. I've been saying for about two weeks that we need to create a new culture in which everyone doesn't matter who you are. If you use something in public, like at the gym when you exercise, you're supposed to wipe down the surface that right. you use. Right. Right. If you use something in the grocery store, like a keypad, it should become super impolite for you not to wipe that clean when you're done with it. And And so I want to start the caught you caring movement with a hashtag caught you caring so that uh, furniture, you know, um, tools, anything that somebody touches, we should stop sharing cell phones. We should stop shaking Mm -hmm. hands. We should stop greeting with kissing and hugging. And the government really needs to start saying we should shut down Group gatherings that are that are not absolutely essential.
0: Well, so for example, my mother right now is in Portugal, and um, she has friends that are all over Europe. So she and she had plans to go do a whole bunch of stuff over the next uh, couple of months with various people, and so she's upfront and personal with everything that's going on over there, which is large events are being shut down. People are changing travel plans, canceling travel plans. Um, Hotels are being put into 14-day quarantine because someone was found sick in the hotel. There's a province in Italy that's been completely shut down. You can't get in or out. Um, Anyone from Italy or from Iran who wants to travel into Vietnam at this point will be put on an automatic 14-day quarantine. Italy has, for some reason, there's a lot of cases in Italy. So there's there is a lot of activity going on over there. And then I've been sitting around watching this and noticing very little actual behavior like that within the United States. That's been my experience that's, for the last two weeks.
1: That's correct, because our government has been reactive, not proactive. And it's unfortunate because I've been tracking this, like I said, since it began. And it's really clear that China did the world a great service. By getting proactive, initially they faltered, but they bought us time, and it's we're talking in terms of weeks and now days. That okay. if in this in your state right now, people need to start realizing that this can, you know, things that you normally would touch in public it, it might be infected, and, and it seems like it lasts on the surface uh, of. of Uh, fomites are called fomites it's a terminology Mm -hmm. for non-living things that the virus can stay on okay for a a number of days days Um, yes for a number of days that's That's why we need to be proactive in disinfecting uh, the spaces that we use it could be it could be passed by fecal matter and by urine and so public bathrooms are if you don't have to use a public bathroom if you can wait Mm -hmm. you know wait you get home it's possibly airborne we're not really sure about that but
0: it's really interesting because I, I had not yet myself personally explored whether or not it was airborne, but I had heard from a few people that it was. And so you are telling me that at this moment, everyone out there who's sort of looking at this, there's still a question in the air about whether it can be transmitted through the air. What does that mean exactly airborne? Because if I cough and my spit lands on your face, obviously my spit landed on your face. So what are we talking about?
1: being spread by respiratory droplets is not the same thing as airborne. Being airborne means that if you exhale, you're exhaling viral particles that can float across the room and infect you if you're 6 or 8 feet away.
2: Okay. as
1: opposed to accidentally sneezing, you know, on someone's hand or face and then they pick it up that way. Given given that we know that it's highly transmissible, that's what we're really talking about. Right. And then anything that you do to shut down the possible, if you're a carrier and you don't know it, anything that you do to shut down transmission could potentially prevent thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of new cases. That's what's really important here in terms of our behavior. And it's important that the same, you have to understand the same behavior is protecting yourself as well. So this is not, just like the flu. This is not just another thing that's happening because it's an election year. Our politicians (laughs) and the press and our regulatory agencies and our CDC have politicized this. It's really unfortunate that the CDC tried to blame the president for their bad test. They -hmm. have a bad test to screen for this thing, Mm -hmm. a test with false negatives for this particular kind of pathogen during an outbreak is worse than no test at all
0: yeah no Uh, i agree because you're giving someone the confidence to believe that they're that they're totally fine to go out into public which first of all 12 hours later they could run into this anyway so even if you got a test and you were told you were fine it doesn't mean that you would not want to take on the behaviors of restricting the spread anyways
1: right right so in in terms of like you know what we're talking about is reducing the, the rate of transmission and, boy, doesn't it sound like if there was a vaccine for this, that, that would be the perfect thing. The mm-hmm. problem is there's no SARS vaccine, and there's no SARS vaccine for, for a good reason. Mm-hmm. When they did the studies of spike protein-based SARS vaccines in animals, they had and they, they vaccinated the animals. These are mice. And then they challenged the mice with the SARS the, nat, the, the native SARS virus from right. the wild. There was an unacceptably high mortality rate. There's something that goes on. I think it's an autoimmunity against a particular protein called keratin-18. This is IPAC research. We're just looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. We haven't published it yet. But um, that would most likely, almost certainly, happen to most people in areas that had previous exposure to a SARS spike protein.
0: So SARS-CoV-1 is what most people think of when they think of SARS in general, which is a few years back, and it had about 10% mortality rate, and it was pretty scary. The current um, coronavirus issue we're dealing with at this moment is the sister virus, in a way you said, it's SARS-CoV-2. And in the years since the previous, the first SARS-CoV-1 situation happened, in all the time since then, basically, even though the pharmaceutical industry and CDC and everyone would have been motivated to come up with a vaccine. They have not, and they don't have one. And there's a good reason why, which means that we should not be turning to vaccine as being the come save us option for the current SARS-CoV-2. That's
1: correct. And so there's no, there there are vaccines for SARS, but there is no vaccine on the market. It failed in the phase one. So the, the the Chinese, for instance, did a phase one trial through a company called Sinovac mm-hmm. for SARS, and they, they brought it to humans. They vaccinated 120 humans. The outcome of that is obvious. They've not published a phase two or a phase three since then. This mm-hmm. was in the 2000 and mid-2000s where they did this study. And so the vaccine failed on right. safety.
2: And we know so- what's
0: interesting is there was an article I was just reading published by a school in, I believe, California, and it was Framed this media article was framed to be very positive. And what they said was that H1N1 prepared them so they know how to respond to SARS-CoV-2 and that when H1N1 had a vaccine that was brought out, they issued 16,000 doses of that. And that if a vaccine for what I'm going to call SARS-CoV-2, or people are hearing it as COVID-19, that if a vaccine came out for that, they would use that as well, so they're 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 building this narrative, and yet it sounds like that's unlikely to happen for very right. good and, ethical and, reasons.
1: Right, and regardless of the safety profile, if the the, the, the vaccine's not going to be available in time, I know to to affect the change that we're talking about right now, because right. the number one primary public health concern is that the. Medical system, the healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed mm-hmm. with the huge number of intensive care cases, a huge number of serious illnesses, and therefore people need to take care of themselves. Expect that the government's going to stay, that you're going to have to stay at home, mm-hmm. whether you're infected, exposed, or not. Because I've done, I've done simulations mm-hmm. of this particular outbreak at IPAC, and these simulations tell me the following number one, Social isolation or social distancing, even quarantine, is not going to work unless it's 100%. But let's say that we achieve in the United States mild quarantine, like, uh, and I'm—it's remarkable that people will call, think that I'm calling it mild. But 60% of people in their homes for mm-hmm. safety's sake, right? Because if we don't do that now, we're going to be sick, and many of us are going to have to do that. We're going to have to take care of our loved ones. Okay, right? So if we do 60% quarantine now. And then we bring out as many antivirals and as many treatments as we think might be effective, even if they're only, again, 30% effective or 40% effective. Right. We have a better chance of reducing the rate of spread to the point where the healthcare workers don't all get infected because they're exhausted. Right. You know, they don't. They We've. There have been healthcare workers that have died in uh, in China. Mm-hmm. So we really need to help. Our own infrastructure be able to survive the onslaught of sick people. And so I have at com 20 points. The title, the art article is Things You Don't Know But Need to Know About the Novel Coronavirus, Including Treatment Information and How to Prepare Your Home.
2: Oh, this
0: that's wonderful. James- I will make sure that that is included. Folks, for those of you who are listening right now, um, I will make sure when you go to voiceofvashon.org and you click on the shows tab and you look at prose, poetry and purpose, because not everyone can listen to the radio at, you know, one specific hour out of an entire week. When you go there to listen online, you will see a picture of James and you'll also see a paragraph next to it. And I will make sure that the link to that information is right there and available to everyone.
1: Right. Everyone should um, make sure that they have selenium supplement. This reduces the uh, uh, ability of the virus to enter cells. And okay. acetylcysteine, th- these are all listed, high-dose high, yeah. high dose glucosamine. Uh, and then in terms of the medical community, anyone in the medical community that can get a hold of the governor should say that you know he needs to put a request to pharmaceutical companies to get the disulfurum and chloroquine phosphate on hand for the medical community to take as prophylactically. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it, it, people who may have been exposed could benefit from, you know, chloroquine. There's also something called bremdesivir. and and all of these are going to uh, be too of,
0: hard to understand over the radio. So, will they're all there, right? When people follow the link, they'll find this.
1: That's right. And Excellent. there's there's supplements. It's all linked out. There's supplements. Right. Uh, like licorice root, that particular that, 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 that kind of licorice root, um, it, it inhibits the replication of SARS-associated coronavirus. So, you know, read read the article. But more, most importantly, a lot of people have written to me and they said, you know, um, you should have mentioned high dose vitamin C. Here's this other article that shows, you know, um, uh, these supplements inhibit, uh, you know, viral replication and so on. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go to that extent where you want to know which supplements that you should take, you should also take a moment to be prepared in your home, and that means to have maybe two or three weeks of dry goods, right. Canned canned food—the stuff we're not really supposed to eat anymore, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, and if you have pets, there's some evidence that your pet may carry the virus, and and so you want to be be sure that you have enough food for your pet for uh, you know maybe a month. Um, And maybe don't
0: go to the public, um, open, you know, non-leashed environments where the dogs will run around and have fun with each other.
1: Right, exactly. So thinking about that, I think that we should all start uh, distance education programs now. I think that the the governor should say to all workplaces to encourage people who can work from home to work from home. Even if it's not every day, they can work from home every other day. The the, the fewer people that are out and about, that then the low the lower the probability that you're going to run into someone who's infected. Just reduce the density of people. That's the best way to reduce the transmission well, of this at this time.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to jump in there real quick. It, it sounds so. First, I'm going to talk about a couple of things happening here on the island. and people who do not live on the island, because a lot of people listen to the show from all over the world. Um, you can do this in your own community. You can think this way as well. One thing that is sort of cultural to America is um, a really, really strong preference in favor of keeping the economy going and a sense of um, entitlement, a sense that we shouldn't be inconvenienced in our life. Now, I'm not actually being critical. I'm just pointing these out because they seem to be driving forces in the back of our mind that if we're aware of them we may be able to do something different so for example in my family um my i've asked my husband to not go to the gym anymore and i just went to the store picked up what we basically need to be able to stay home for two weeks i did go to the coffee shop i got sort of a a last farewell latte and um I will not go back to any cafe. We will not go to any restaurants. We're not going to basically go to any communal environments. And um, no friends from off islands. We're doing a a slash home slash island quarantine. So nobody we know from off island is going to be invited over for at least two weeks. And my youngest son, who's in college in Seattle, and he went in today for um, one final uh, thing. He almost didn't go, but it was like a rare thing. And he said, I'm just going to go this last time and tell my teachers that now I'm only going to be working from home. And if they have a problem with that, then, you know, maybe I'll fail the class, but I don't want to be out there possibly catching this and transmitting it to other people without knowing that I'm doing it. So, you know, those are some of the actions that we're trying to take as a, as a personal family. And my husband telecommutes from home, so he doesn't go anywhere. And, um, I saw on Facebook today there's some people on the island who were talking about carrying alcohol with them, and when they went to a bank ATM, they cleaned the ATM, and then they used it, and they cleaned it again. And then when I was in the cafe, I noticed, you know, they just flipped that little thing around, and you're supposed to use your finger to sign on the screen. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, 150 people this morning have signed on the screen, you know. So that's a good example. I I think it would be great if there was, like, um an alcohol pump thing right there you pump it you wash your hand you do the signy thing you need and then you pump again and walk you know is that sort of the stuff you're talking about
1: yeah absolutely and it's good to see that that's happening people need to understand that you know you're not going to keep the virus away from your hometown it's very unlikely because of the five to thirty day transmission period where people might be asymptomatic You know, there's a scientist that I know who is in the news now. He did some calculations, and it appears that the virus was probably circulating in the state of Washington for a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. maybe three weeks
2: now. Right.
1: Which means there's probably thousands of people who have the infection. Eighty percent of people who get the infection are going to have mild illness, Mm -hmm. but that leaves the rest of them to either be serious or critical. Right. so. I I I'm just looking right now. Apparently there's a gaggle of uh firefighters who have you know yeah. not tested positive but they are have had serious exposure to it and it's not unlikely that the frontline healthcare workers are going to be the ones that you know um don't have proper protection in place even now. They should I, I, a, a pediatrician from Florida called me. He's a friend of mine and he said, you know, I'm I'm listening to what the CDC has put out. And then I read what you put out at your blog. He says, why isn't the CDC saying what you're saying? And it's these factors that you brought up about not wanting to scare people, wanting to preserve the economy, this kind of thing. Um, But I said, you know, listen, Jeff, what you want to do is you want to wear your face mask in front of your kids, but put some googly eyes on it so it doesn't scare them, (laughs) you know, because pretty soon you just might be saying to you're canceling all regular appointments. You're only seeing emergent care. You might become a frontliner. And right. that kind of got his attention that all healthcare workers, all to a person might become frontliners in this, and standard medical care except for emergency care might have to be put it to the side for a while. you know I, I will say that I think that it's irresponsible for people to have this knee-jerk reflex. I've seen it in um and I am being critical mm-hmm. um, of of people saying. Uh, well, what you want to do is you want to go to the doctor and, and get your flu shot and get your pertussis shot because these are diseases of the lung. And a flu shot and pertussis shot, if you get this, you don't also want those. You know, you don't want influenza and you don't want pertussis. The problem is you, they're sending people during an outbreak with a five-day to 30-day asymptomatic period all to the same location. Right during this outbreak is just really, really bad advice. Well,
0: and actually right now, when it comes to the official advice that's coming out, and I've got this right here, let me scroll to it. This is, um, it says the public can help, right? It's In a way, we are being called upon to make a, a short-term sacrifice of relatively minimal impact in exchange for a very powerful long-term benefit this is sure. what is in front of us and this says number one in old do not go to the emergency room unless essential they're like yep. if you have symptoms like cough fever or other respiratory problems they say contact your regular doctor they don't say go see your doctor you know i mean and stay right, home when good. sick so um practice excellent personal hygiene habits hand washing cough into tissue or elbow um, avoid touching your eyes, nose, mouth, which we all should know by now. Stay away from people who are ill, especially if you're 60 and older or have underlying health conditions. Stay informed, constantly track what's going on. So um, I think that, you know, in the lead up to and the during the World War II, our government did a very good job of using Propaganda to motivate people to feel good about sacrificing on behalf of this greater goal. So you had a victory garden and you were rationing chocolate and gasoline and nylons and everyone got on board and they were like, I'm doing it for the soldiers or whatever they were saying. Well, right now, it's like if you can stay home, if you can wear gloves when you're out in public, um, if you can use a mask although they have some limited availability, if you can just keep your distance, you know, all these little things, if you can do all that, you're doing it like you said, for the person five months from now, the thousands of people five months from now or two months from now who might not get sick and the 20% who won't end up in the hospital. I mean, we in this part of the world have the same responsibility that China had back in December and January. We need to do what we can to reduce, as you put it, I think it's the reprodu- reprodu- reproductibility?
2: It's the it?
1: reproductive number, the basic reproductive number.
0: So, so our it, goal it, is it, to it, prevent it, transmission.
1: Right, and it's r not r R-sub-zero is what it's called. So, But but I, the, the message that I want to give out is that it's also the government's job to be forthright, and yep. so their message should be um, you know, prepare but don't panic. Don't right. panic, but prepare. And they should also be really really super active in finding ways to aggregate antivirals and aggregate treatments against viruses because social isolation and social distancing alone is not going to do it. Right. If we could encourage pharmaceutical companies to, you know, start mass producing some of these antivirals that are out there, And, you know, heaven forbid they should get the idea of price gouging at this (laughs) point in time, right? But imagine they
0: have the opportunity, given how much pharmaceutical industries are just in the black in this country. They have been taken out in the courts. They have completely, for a good 20 years, been literally essentially price gouging in the subliminal way. I mean, they have just done it with Insulin and with epipens, they have just and oxytocin. We don't even need to go there. We all know this is their chance to maybe shine. Their it's chance also, to yes, step absolutely. up. absolutely, and it's also the chance for
1: for for people who are um, humanitarians, people who are philanthropists, to make announcements that they're going to underwrite ten thousand doses of a particular antiviral or something. You know, mm-hmm. uh, th- this is a this is an opportunity for all of us to pull every ounce of resource that we have together in, in our smarts and our wits. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, take care of yourself and take care of your family first. If, if, if you expect that any of your family members could be sick, you should have a discussion with the family about having a sick room. Right. That means mul- maybe multiple beds. Why? Because the isolation of the sick within the family, you know, it's very difficult. But the uh, the isolation of the sick within the family is, is an important thing. And how would you go about protecting the people that have to care for you? Right. And especially its mode of transmission, very likely everyone's going to get sick. But mm-hmm. let me give you an example. Many families these days have you know, family members that live nearby and they have multiple homes. If you have mom and dad and they don't get out much, mm-hmm. perfect. Let, let, let them stay there. Don't make them do their own grocery shopping. They're at risk because they're, they're of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, do this grocery shopping for mom and dad. And if the government puts you on quarantine, you're going to be able to go out probably two or three days a week. But um, if you have multiple homes, you might even designate one person to be the gopher for all the family members, and right. that person gets the smallest house. And, and these, are, these are techniques that we could do. It might have to last for a few weeks, but you know, these are techniques and, and strategies that, that we can imagine in terms of just change the way that we distribute goods and services for a little while. Um, that so that we can extend that runway it's not unthinkable that we're going to see the hockey stick curve on this outbreak where we ha- we see millions of cases and if right. we have six percent of millions of cases uh, you know being critically ill we want to we want to give the medical community time to get ready for that kind of a throughput
0: so you and I are both um, comfortable and familiar with the medical world we're We both tend to be along the lines of logical and not, I mean, you and I just are not the types to sort of emotionally either freak out and or be inhibited. So that all makes a lot of sense to me, a lot of sense to you. But I know for a fact, because I've seen people saying it and I've, I've witnessed it, there are people for whom the act of preparation stimulates fear within them because it acknowledges the possibility that those preparations might be necessary. And we have people who it's the old bury your head in the sand, go about life as normal and just sort of hope that it's all, you know, so you know exactly what I'm saying here. What do you think we can do to help people get over that emotional hump that's blocking them from doing logical steps? What can we do about that?
1: Um, Well, what what I can say is that that kind of reaction is only going to last
0: a couple more days.
1: Uh, All they have to do is check the headlines. There's 100 cases in the United States right now. A couple of days ago, there was two. These are uh, confirmed cases. Right. Now, behind each one of those cases, with an R-naught of, you know, 4.8, there's probably 5,000 people minimum, 10,000 people maybe there's every likelihood this, this 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 virus has been in the United States for quite some time mm-hmm. maybe since mid January and you know the the very best that we can do is to look after ourselves and look after e- each other and share information on what on what you're doing uh, you know this this idea of a hashtag caught you caring right. would be a great way and you can say thank you for cleaning that thank you for cleaning the atm after you used it. i appreciate it
0: we want twitter you know? to blow up with the idea now i'll tell you though my local grocery store and so probably the other stores on the island I, I went to one today um the little tiny bottles of hand sanitizer completely gone the um the tubes of uh clorox or whatever it is you know you pull the wipe out and you rub it on things and throw it away not only were sure. they completely gone, but I was there when the manager was restocking like seven boxes worth. I went back to the store an hour and a half later because I realized I had one thing I still needed to get. They were gone again. So, yep. so that's the other thing, too, is um, I was very careful. When I picked up things, like I looked at the toilet paper and the type of toilet paper that I normally get and, you know, nice little recycled brand, whatever – There were only a few left, so I didn't take all of them because someone else has to buy toilet paper, too. So it's like, you know, take what you need for a week, not what you need for three months, because otherwise we'll end up with some houses overstocked, other houses understocked. And that actually works against all of us.
1: Uh, You're exactly right. People people should understand that, uh, you know, it's okay to be resourceful. So you can take uh, with you if you have to go out, you can take a Ziploc bag you can take a washcloth. You can put 10% bleach solution on the washcloth, and there's your wipe for the day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, we don't doesn't have to be a commercial product. We can we can old school this. You
0: know. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Uh, you carry that around. You're going to bake. The other thing you, people can do is if there's a 24-hour grocery store, um, try to try to hit it at 3 a.m.
2: You know, mm-hmm.
1: the, the, the stock whatever's there will be there. Uh, and and mm-hmm. there's there's infrastructure here, I think, in the United States. Um, we, we we live in this idea that there's going to be this apocalyptic thing if something bad happens, but this is not a hurricane. You're still going to have electricity. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have heat to your home. The roof, the, the roof to your house is not going to be torn off. We have a lot to be thankful for. Your refrigerator
0: for. is still working, keeping your food cold. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly and you know what It what everybody in the United States needs to lose a little weight so there could be massive health benefits <laughs> you know from from just making the food last a while so you don't have to go out right uh, you know I, I'm not I don't I'm not talking about rationing I'm talking about eating the, your caloric requirement for the day and not anymore yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know there's another incidental possible possible massive positive here if we all start sanitizing all public places you're on the subway you held onto the you know the strap or you help you sat in a seat if we all start sanitizing all of our public places mm-hmm. we could actually reduce the rate of influenza to like zero right
2: mm, right we, the we, other we could, we could, yeah
1: all yeah. of them all of the viruses are contagious this way by leaving you know it, and 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 so there, there could be a massive health benefit where you know uh on the on the other side and the other thing that I want to point out is this is a good time for families to to reconnect if, you, if you're if you quarantined and everybody's in the home. This is a great opportunity for a staycation. Yeah, know, no, so.
0: exactly. Good. It was funny. My uh, friend of mine had just recently seen a new show that's on, um, I don't know, Hulu or Prime or something. And she was like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. So that was like last night she mentioned that. And so today at one point I thought, oh. This is gonna be my chance to sort of catch up with a whole bunch of binge worthy stuff out there, you know? And um and Absolutely. yeah, yeah, I was like, Okay, play music, you know, you're starting to think, wow, if I can't go out and about, what am I gonna do? And so it is an opportunity for parents and kids to sit down and pull out the board game.
1: Right. So, um wherever your wherever your listenership uh stands on air pollution and that kind of thing Um mm-hmm. uh, the, the recent news out of China is that the um, the quarantine in all the massive cities has ended air pollution basically from China. It, wow. It's kind of remarkable. You can see it. So it's going to be health benefits, uh, a pulse of clean and fresh air around. So, um, you know, the, people people should take it easy. And what I want to what I want to do is I want to point people to to the resources again. If people get their pens out, you can go to jameslyonsweiler.com, J-A-M-E-S-L-Y-O-N-S-W-E-I-L-E-R. And the research that we do, including the genetic analysis of the SARS coronavirus um, and and the public health research that we do, the public policy research that we do, it's all funded by the public to so go to ipanowledge.org i p a knowledge.org, you know uh, we're an independent voice, we're an independent perspective, mm-hmm. and not, it's funny to watch the government agencies say things a week and a half or a week after you've been saying that online for a while. you know right. it's like okay, what if he, they started saying this a week ago Is it's, it's mm-hmm. just they're not they don't want to be proactive, they want to be reactive. We need to change and be much more proactive about this, and I have to say, Governor Inslee declaring a state of emergency. You know, this it, it empowers him to an extent where, you know, he can get resources to the people. SARS-2 coronavirus is a very serious, serious uh, uh, outbreak. And so I, I hope that it gets the message out. I, I, I understand this this one place that they're going to try to put people um, in, the, in the motel. I predict that uh, they're going to need, you know, a hundred of them.
0: King County Executive Dow Constantine. And obviously, sure. that's the beginning. I mean, I was giving you the highlights, but that was like one of the beginning steps. And then there's a whole list of other things they're starting to work on. Essentially, we are, I think, when it comes to delays in response within the United States of America, I think that Washington State is um, one of the less delayed um Regions. I, I could imagine yep. there might be other places that be more delayed. Um, there's been a lot of comments made about sort of the wealth of informed and um, expert actors within this field who are currently here, who live here, you know, who are based here. And so we may not be perfect, um, but we definitely seem to have woken up. Now, I want to talk about, because we have a little bit longer here, I want to talk a little bit about what is happening with schools um, because in several other countries, um, I'm pretty sure Vietnam, South Korea, China, you know, and other places, they just closed the schools and the right. children stay home and right. the families just have to deal with it. Um, one of the countries, which has been closed since early January, they're like, well, maybe if things are going well, you might be able to go back to school like, you know, the second week of March. and And this is just it, it's just being done. It's not being whined about or freaked out about it. It's just a choice they made. Now, in the United States of America, all of the schools, at least in my region, I should say, that includes California, the Oregon schools, and the current Washington schools, they're all saying this. If we know a specific child has a SARS-CoV-2, we send them home to do quarantine in their house, then we deep clean the school. They do some special cleaning method above and beyond their daily cleaning. Uh, one of the schools is taking like a Monday off so they can do a full three-day cleaning. They're in Snohomish County. They had one of the, um, one of the first uh, school students in the state. And, um, and then they invite all of the kids back. This is the mantra. This is the we can't inconvenience families by requiring them to care for their children. We can't interfere with their education. They deep clean, and then all the kids come back. And I don't understand at all how this is anywhere close to any help at all because all those kids are going to come back and just start to spread the virus that they don't yet know they have. How does a deep clean-up school have any value? And if it doesn't, why? What can we say to schools to encourage them to consider something more effective
1: right so you're exactly right students in China Japan Vietnam Mongolia Iran Pakistan Iraq and Italy uh, don't go to school right
2: now mm-hmm.
1: so the the, the 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 reality is that deep cleaning bring everybody back I think it'll last maybe a week and then the next week they'll have 40 cases and then they'll realize that it's not going to work okay so the the, 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 the proactive thing to do would be to say we are rethinking our program and we're going to start distance education but we need to give the teachers a week to prepare it so we're going to have a week vacation
0: yeah right
1: do. yeah Yep.
0: that's awesome and, that is so and, and, great
1: and, and, i like that and and, and, and right you're welcome and, and they don't have to like the kids that can take care of themselves right they mm-hmm. could stagger this they could say if, if you're a junior senior sophomore even ninth graders can take care of themselves
2: right?
1: right. Uh, reliably. Uh, just go home for a week. Your teachers are preparing distance education. That right there will cut down a huge percent of contact right. in the population. We have to think about this mathematically right. and then say, OK, in two weeks' time, we're going to homeschool for, for the little kids. It turns out that there, there are very few deaths in children.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, uh, it, it's, 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 it's weird. This is a very strange virus. Um, but uh, I, I also want to impress upon your leadership in terms of taking your, care of yourselves and others. If you smoke, you should stop.
2: Mm-hmm. If you have
1: cardiovascular disease, you should socially distance yourself now. Mm-hmm. If you have other serious illnesses like diabetes and if you have um, not just hypertension, but you know anything that's uh, – if you're severely, you know, uh, morbidly obese or if you have these conditions that are that require, you know, if you have a chronic illness,
2: right. um,
1: if you have asthma and it's, it's not resolved, you want to socially isolate, mm-hmm. uh, like, immediately. You don't want to wait for the government to tell you to do that. Right. So ask your boss if you can work, start working from home. People need to be proactive about it. And to point your boss to um, the articles that you see online, about other countries shut, having to shut down their schools. And it, we want to forestall mass quarantine as long as possible. And we may be able to do it for maybe a month, but that may be unrealistic.
0: So yeah, I, I do everything really, we can do now. If we can come out of this with everyone actually deeply understanding the impact of the incubation period and the concept and reality of asymptomatic carriers, those two things seem to be um, either ignored, dismissed, misunderstood in the um, public at large. Because, like number four here, that said, stay away from people who are ill. If you you know you're sick or you're old or whatever, I'm like, no, no, no. Like you just said, if you're 60 and older or have these underlying health conditions, self quarantine right now for a week and watch and see what happens, and then decide if you need to do it for another week. But if you only avoid the people who are actively sick, you're hanging out with all the people who are nine hours before their first symptom and eight right. days into their um, spreading of the disease.
1: Right. That's exactly right. So, you know, looking after yourself, you got to understand that the nature of this illness can involve um, uh, diarrhea, so when you're shopping ahead, you should get some electrolytes, some drinks with electrolytes.
2: Mm-hmm, Good idea right. to
1: have some uh, potassium salt in the house anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, you know, um, there's there's not much more that we can actually do here except for to say to get politically active, and you know, ask your school board why are you not planning distance education now? Right. Let's. Don't shut down the school. Keep it going. Do distance education and to proactively petition your place of work to, like, cross-train uh, for specialty positions, essential positions in case somebody on the, on the staff goes sick. Right. So it, it's, it, and, it's, and it's really important that people develop a culture when they talk with the people that work for them, that the business owners should be very reassuring and be overtly reassuring about, okay, I look forward to seeing you back here when this is over, because people don't need that anxiety. Is my my boss going to use this as an excuse to get rid of me?
2: Mm -hmm. Am I not
1: going to have a job when I'm done here? Mm -hmm. Um, That would be unfortunate for anybody to to act that way. So you should be very overtly reassuring that, you know, we'll, we'll get through this. The leaders of the community need to encourage people to have the confidence to do the right thing.
0: There was one person in the store today that was wearing a face mask and I was wearing gloves so that um, I wouldn't, and I mostly was buying fruits and vegetables that were actually preferably wrapped in plastic and had not been like felt over by, you know, 20 people who decided not to get that head of broccoli and get another one. But at least the broccoli is going to get boiled, you know? So um, it would be really great to go into any store and, and see that all of the employees there have plastic gloves on and, and especially like a teller or something, it'd be great. A cashier, you know, if they could have a a face mask that would actually make a difference. And then I'd like to see, um, antiseptic, you know, alcohol stuff like all over the place. You know, I think that there are some really awesome, simple, appropriate, intelligent things that we can do that are not going to break the bank. And yet will make a, um, Notable and important difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if, if if you really want to make a difference, cancel that meeting that you know is not essential. You know, cancel the don't go to like you said go to the gym or exercise class. You know, talk to your pastor or your rabbi or your imam about you know maybe making arrangements for worship from home, mm-hmm. and. You know now this is the final week for this discussion we're right. not going to have this discussion next week you're going to be talking about thousands of cases the government's going to take over and going to say all right we need to we need to shut this down and you shut that down
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we could buy a few like maybe a few days maybe another week if we all collectively pull together right now right. and and stop touching each other stop like I said you know kissing and hugging in public and so on
0: right James I look forward to, um, I'd like to, if you don't mind, do a co-written blog post brief to the point with some really good uh, resources, like you mentioned earlier, that can be linked to the show. And I have to say how much I appreciate your, your brain. I love that you care about the stuff and that you get involved early and you pay attention and that you come along and share it with us. So thank you very much.
1: Oh, you're, you're all very welcome. If someone wants somebody who's a little bit more reassuring than I am. They should look on YouTube for Dr. John Campbell. Uh, he's British. He's a nurse. Uh, uh, he's a doctor nurse, um, and he's uh, he's a retired teacher, and he he gives the best updates, daily updates on the numbers, the perspectives. He was upset at the World Health Organization. He's kind of cute because he gets upset and then he just turns off the camera, and then he comes back and he apologizes for being upset. He's very nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah his name yep. is Dr. John Campbell and and he's been uh, you know a, a very sane voice in this mad wilderness
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and, and I trust what he says I, I I I've at times he's been a couple of days ahead of me about times I've been a couple of days ahead of him you know I've shared information with him but um but please do share information responsibly yep. and make sure that you warn you know your politicians about the spike protein science there's recommended readings on com mm-hmm. uh, about the spike protein science that was done that showed that they were not safe, that they killed the animals, right. and that we don't want to insensitize ourselves so that we do get sick with a coronavirus in, say, 2022.
0: Right, right. Yep. All right, James, that was awesome. And everyone who is listening right now, if you only caught part of the show, you can go to voiceofvashon.org. Click on the Shows tab and go down to Prose, Poetry, and Purpose. And um, this whole hour was chock full of really valuable, solid, um, accurate, worthwhile information. Yes, we can make a positive difference, each of us. So go forward and do so.